You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Welcome to the Truth Report. I'm Barry Nussbaum. This week, President Donald Trump released his new and revised immigration travel ban, issued again as an executive order. When viewers had written in to ask how is this travel restriction different than the last one that was blocked by the courts, we responded with a segment on Because You Asked. In that show, we analyzed the differences between the first order that was blocked on February 9, when the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit affirmed a lower court's temporary restraining order, and the new order that was issued on March 7, 2017. Go look that show up if you want to see that discussion. Today, we're going to discuss the second order and the various states' responses to it. The intent of both the first and second travel orders, Trump administration officials say, is to screen out visitors from countries affected by terrorism until more stringent vetting measures can be put into place. The new order has been stripped of many of the provisions that federal judges across the country found troublesome in the first one. So you would think this one will go through. However, the new executive order has already been aggressively challenged in the courts by a number of states across the country. Now to begin, let's review the precedents for the President of the United States having the authority to issue such an executive order. But instead of giving you a hundred plus year history lesson today, let's just review the actions of the most recent presidents. Keep in mind, these previous six presidents are both Republicans and Democrats, conservative and liberal in their political philosophy, and the party they represented. And yet, every single precedent preceding President Trump, going all the way back to Jimmy Carter, has signed similar executive orders. All of them signed similar executive orders based on the authority granted to them under the Constitution. Are we clear? Section 212F of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952 states, quote, it's a mouthful, wherever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restriction he may deem to be appropriate, unquote. Pretty clear, isn't it? President Barack Obama used the authority this statute provides six times during his presidency. In July 2011, Obama barred the entry of, quote, anyone under a U.N. travel ban, anyone who violates any of the 29 executive orders regarding transactions with terrorists, those who undermine the democratic process in specific countries, or transnational criminal organizations, unquote. In April 2012, 
He barred the entry of anyone facilitating computer or network disruption that could assist in or enable serious human rights abuses by or on behalf of the government of Iran and Syria. Anyone who sold or provided goods or services or technology to Iran or Syria likely to be used for such purposes or to have material assisted anyone whose property or interests are described. By the way, both Muslim countries. Former President George W. Bush used his authority six times as well during his tenure, typically on government officials. In January 2004, he signed an order barring entry for public officials who solicit or accept bribes in exchange for any act or omission in their public duties that has serious adverse effects on the national interests of the United States. Anyone who provides or offers to provide such a bribe, any current or former public official whose misappropriation of public funds or interference with public processes has had a serious adverse effect on the national interests of the U.S. or the immediate families. The groups Bush barred for entry included the members of the Mugabe government in Zimbabwe and the Lukashenko government in Belarus. The authority of the president to bar certain classes of aliens was used six times by former President Bill Clinton. For example, in May of 1994, Clinton signed an order barring entry for members of the Haitian military, their immediate families, any major participants in the coup d'etat of 1991. Then, in January of 1998, Clinton signed an order barring entry for members of the military and, their, and the junta in Sierra Leone and their families. Going back farther, there's more evidence. President George H.W. Bush only used this executive authority once in his four years in office, and when he did it, it was to actually undo a previous executive order by President Ronald Reagan that suspended entry of officers and employees of the Nicaraguan government. Former President Ronald Reagan used this executive order five times while he was in office for eight years. In September of 1981, he barred the entry of any undocumented aliens arriving at the borders of the United States from the high seas. In August of 1986, Reagan signed an order barring entry for any Cuban nationals or immigrants except in certain cases. The certain cases included Cuban nationals who had applied for entry into the United States as immediate family members and those who, under law, were special immigrants. Ready for very liberal Jimmy Carter? He used this executive power only once, and in a way very, very similar to Trump. In April 1980, as the U.S. Embassy in Tehran had been seized by terrorists, Carter signed an order invalidating, quote, all visas issued to Iranian citizens for future entry into the United States. And that order said the United States will not reissue visas, nor will we issue new visas except for compelling and proven humanitarian reasons or where the national interest of our own country requires it. Almost exactly as what Trump is doing today, and yet it wasn't challenged. In spite of the facts, 
that we have just reviewed and all the presidents have done the, that have done the exact same thing, the state attorney generals of a number of states have already filed suit to block this new watered down executive order. Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson said Thursday that the state would take President Trump to court to block enforcement of his new revamped travel order, pausing refugee resettlement and travel from six majority Muslim countries. Now, in the Washington state lawsuit against the first travel ban, it led to a Seattle federal court judge ordering a national halt to the executive order. And that ended up causing chaos at airports around the country and led to the cancellation of 60,000 travel visas. Ferguson said the state's challenge to the new travel ban remains largely the same as the first one, in which it said that the law, as signed by the president, was discriminatory against Muslims and caused unnecessary harm to the state's residents, universities, and businesses. Isn't it interesting that the harm to Washington state residents and its universities and its businesses was neither documented nor quantified in any manner? And yet, in spite of that, a very liberal Seattle federal judge ordered a halt to the enforcement of the first executive order. And get this made his effective order apply nationwide. Uh, there are still constitutional problems with core provisions of this revised executive order. And the president does not get to decide if a new executive order is different enough to be clear from that underlying injunction. The court decides that, not the president. Uh, there are two key provisions that we believe are still subject to uh, that temporary restraining order, that injunction. So number one, uh, the ban on refugees. Uh, that of course was in that original order. Virtually identical language is in place for the revised order. Our view is the restraining order, the injunction applies equally to the ban on refugees coming into the United States. And number two, what's now a six nation ban rather than a seven nation ban on travel to the United States. Again, with the exception of removing Iraq from that list of countries, the language is virtually identical as the original executive order. For that reason, we're asserting that the president cannot unilaterally declare himself free of the court's restraining order and injunction. The court decides that, and we'll be asking Judge Robart to confirm that implementation of this travel ban remains blocked by my lawsuit and the federal courts. So what will be happening today is we'll be filing um, a motion uh, before the federal district court, that's Judge Robart, will be filing that today um, by the end of the day. That'll take a few more hours for the team to put that together, uh, but that'll be filed today. Washington is joined in, in the new suit by Minnesota, and the attorney generals of New York, Oregon, and Massachusetts are coming in as well. According to Minnesota Attorney General Lori Swanson, quote, it the executive order, she means, does not pass constitutional muster, is inconsistent with our history as a nation, and undermines our national security. America can keep its people safe without sacrificing bedrock constitutional principles, unquote. Wow. Three dramatically wrong statements in a row, Ms. Swanson. The state of Hawaii's complaint says it objects to the new travel ban because it, quote, has a profound and detrimental effect on the state's economy and people. Seriously. 
The state also argues that the executive order discriminates against Muslims and violates the equal protection and due process guarantees of the United States Constitution. However, Hawaii's complaint fails to quantify the damages to the state's economy and to its people. In Hawaii, a hearing is set for 9.30 a.m. March 15th in Honolulu on their request for, get this, a national temporary restraining order on the travel ban to protect the citizens of Hawaii. That's the day before the travel ban takes effect on March 16th. Legal experts have said the new travel ban, which applies to the citizens of Iran, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, Syria, and Yemen, but does not include Iraq as the previous order did, will be tougher to fight in the courts because of the president's broad authority over immigration enforcement and national security when it comes to non-citizens and those without visas. I read you the law a few minutes ago. These statewide suits name as defendants the President of the United States, the Head of Homeland Security, the Secretary of State, and the United States government. None of the state filings address the most critical aspect of President Trump's motivation, which is to keep America safe from the possible harm caused by unvetted refugees who are flooding into the United States. Instead, their opposition to anything and everything proposed by President Trump seems to be the agenda of not only these state attorney generals, but also the activist judges where these cases for injunctions were shopped, filed, and previously approved. It remains to be seen how the courts will rule now and whether or not the new executive order will still be viable and in place when it's set to take effect March 16th. America, stay in touch. We will continue to follow up on this story. You can handle the truth. We intend to bring it to you. I'm Barry Newsbaum. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.